Good morning. Welcome to those of you online. It's great to have you with us as well. Um, my name's Rich. If you don't know me, I'm the vicar here, and it's a privilege to be continuing our teaching series called Knowing God, exploring how is it that we as the people of God can get to know God, not just know about God, but get to really know him. Earlier this week, I had the privilege of sitting with a friend of mine. He's a retired vicar. He's a little bit older than me. He's probably watching on the live stream, and he's going to feel awfully embarrassed in a moment. He is an extraordinary man of God. And we were together watching the live stream of a funeral. The funeral was happening down in Cornwall. He couldn't get down there because of uh, his age. And so we watched the live stream, the wonders of technology, meant we could be there at this funeral of someone that was really important to him. In fact, this guy that, whose funeral it was was a well-known vicar who'd had a huge influence on the Church of England. I'd never met him, but I knew of him. And it turns out that my friend, my retired vicar friend, had actually been his vicar when he was a student, had massively invested in him, and through him, this guy had gone on to get ordained, discern a call to ordination, and gone on to be all that he was. So it was a real joy for me to be able to be there with my friend and at the funeral. It was extraordinary. This guy was a giant of the faith. He'd influenced so many people with his love of God, his love of the scriptures, his love of the church, the way he loved people, his friends and his family. It was a huge joy just to listen to the way he was talked about. But what was more profound, what was more of a privilege for me personally, was not watching the funeral and learning about this guy, but actually watching my friend watch the funeral. For a number of reasons. First, whenever the scriptures were read out, introduced even, referenced in a sermon or a tribute, he spoke them out spontaneously. They just came out of him. He knew it. He has the word in his heart. He, he knew it word for word. And he joined in and he said it with such joy. When we came to the hymns, he didn't need the orders of service that we'd printed out to join in. He just knew every verse of these hymns, and he sang them without inhibition in his dining room. And I watched as he listened about his friend and these stories told, and the, the wonder in his eyes. It was like, yes, this was my friend. Yes, I knew him. And you could see something of the delight of God through him for this man who was being uh, remembered at the funeral. And I left thinking, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be someone from whom the scriptures just ooze as I speak. Someone who just so knows you because the word has taken root. And through that, I've got to know what you're like. And I delight, even in my later stages, in everything you're about. If you were to push my friend, and he would need pushing because he's so humble, he would tell you, yeah, I, I root myself in the scriptures every day. I meditate on the law of the Lord. And that's the fruit of it. I realized here I am, I'm, I'm seeing something of one, Psalm 119 verse 97 embodied in this precious man of God. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Psalm 119 is this very, very long psalm. We don't quite know who wrote it, but it's this long devotion about the Word of God, the gift that it is to us, the spoken, written Word of God, that through which we discover who God is. 
We get biblical wisdom. That's more than just earthly knowledge. It's divine insight in what it is to be human. What it means to know God and be known by him. We just heard a little bit of it read this morning. Well-known verses. Oh, how I love your law. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. This isn't someone who knew about God. This isn't someone who knew about the scriptures as they had them in those days. This is someone who through them knew God. And so today we're thinking about how the Bible helps us to know God, how we can go about reading the scriptures in such a way that we grow in our knowledge of God, our experiences of him, so that this book becomes more than just a book, but becomes a portal, a means of connecting with the Father who loves us. Now, if some of you will remember, five years ago now, we had a year-long project called the Year of Biblical Literacy, famously or infamously known as Yobble. And it was a quest to help us really get to know the Bible. What is it? How do we read it? What about the different genres within it? How does God speak through it? How do we make sense of the scriptures? How do they make sense of our experience? It was a great year. And all the resources, all the teaching from that are still up on our website on a dedicated page. And I'd encourage you to go and have a look at that. Either if you were here, revisit it. And if you weren't, many of you have joined since then. It might really help you. And the reason we did that is because this book, the Bible, is central to what it is to be a person of faith. This is right at the heart of spirituality. Christian spirituality is, of course, both word and spirit. It's word and spirit and it's sacrament. It's these three things that we hold together. And the word and the spirit and the sacrament are meant to be understood and experienced together. This is central. Reading this book will change your life. It's reading this book that helped me make sense of what it was to be a Christian. It's what convinced me of its truth. God spoke to me, revealed himself to me through the Bible as a non-Christian when I was seeking after him. It's actually not one book. Some of you know this. It's a library of books. There's all sorts of genres and different uh, um, bits of the story make sense in different ways. Here's the definition that the Bible Project have, which I really like. It says, the Bible is a library of writings that are both human and divine in origin that together tell a unified story that leads us to Jesus. The written word helps us encounter the living word. This written word makes sense of the true story of the whole world, who uh, has right at the star, uh, right at the center of it, the star of it all is the person of Jesus himself. In the scriptures, we're told that Jesus doesn't come to abolish the law, the word of God in the Old Testament, but comes to fulfill it. He is the embodiment of it all. Uh, he is consistent entirely with this. And so when we read this, we can encounter Jesus. It's an extraordinary thing. And we don't just believe it's one source of spiritual wisdom and authority. You know, you want to go on a quest for meaning and purpose, for perhaps some sense of what is true and good, or some ethical framework. Well, here's a number of options. There's the Bible, and there's this, and there's this. No, Christians believe this is the supreme source. And we believe that because we believe it is divinely authored, that God has written it through his people, by his Spirit, and that God, through his Spirit, can speak to us today. 
There are things in here that are timeless truths spoken to all creation. And God can use it by his spirit to speak to you and to me a word in season. Some of you will know this. When because of what you're going through or because of the moment you find yourself in, suddenly you'll be reading a, p- a passage of scripture and it's, it's perhaps familiar, but for some reason today when you read it, it leaps off the page and God says something to you through it and it changes your perspective. That's what God does through this book because he authored it and he's still a, 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 engaging with it by his Holy Spirit. And because it's divinely authored, we believe, we choose to make it authoritative in our lives. We believe that the the author of it, God who is good, wants to speak to us. We give it authority because we trust its author. And as Christians, we're called to submit to the teaching and witness of Scripture. We give it authority in our lives because the Father, the Creator, the one that Jesus reveals to us, we believe is at work in it, in and through the Scriptures. That actually, as the psalmist says, this isn't just something to be good around, to, to follow out of some sort of fear and obedience. This is a book to delight in. Because as we do, we get to know God, what he's like, what he's about, how he works. Or put more simply... We choose in faith to live our lives according to the scriptures, even when that's hard, even when that puts us at odds with the cultural moment we find ourselves in. The scriptures themselves, I think, speak to all of this. So here's Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver, purified in a crucible like gold refined seven times seven is the biblical number of perfection what the psalmist is trying to say is these words are perfect and true and of infinite value you can trust them they're a gift they're good Hebrews 4 verse 12 the writer to the Hebrews says this for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper, he says, than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's active. God is active in the scriptures by his spirit, bringing revelation, bringing guidance, bringing comfort, bringing encouragement, and as we're told, also bringing conviction and challenge if we give it authority, if we choose to trust it, because we choose to trust the author. I love how the theologian N.T. Wright puts it. He says, the Bible is the book of my life. It's the book I live with. It's the book I live by. It's the book I want to die by. And I would say, me too. Me too. This particular Bible was given to me just after I got baptized, it's pretty battered. It has some gaffer tape all around it, lots of sellotape bits. It looks a bit messy, but I love it because I've met God in this book, in the pages of Scripture in here. Every morning, more of that later, God speaks to me. It's a gift. And so what I want to do this morning is be quite practical and hopefully quite encouraging I want to suggest a number of ways in which the scriptures help us to know God. That what what happens when we read the Bible devotionally. And then some suggestions on how we might go about practically engaging with the scriptures. Either afresh, 
maybe for the very first time. And if, like some of the ones, uh, some of the people I've been speaking to, some of you recognizing, perhaps need to just rediscover the Bible entirely. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage you this morning, start reading the Bible again or more or in a fresh way so that through them you know God. There is no condemnation. There's no judgment. We all find it hard at times. But a win for me would be that in six weeks' time, everyone says, I've been reading the Bible more. And you're right. (laughs) I met God. God spoke to me. I've got to know God through it. Trust me, it works. Okay. So, Here is how Paul writes to Timothy in his second letter. And this is from the paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. Uh, Conversation for another time, the difference between a paraphrase and a translation. But he says this about the Bible, which is really helpful. And it's fresh language, which perhaps will speak to us. Paul says this, there's nothing, there's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture, he says, is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, he says, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. What a brilliant summary of this book and the gift that it is to us. And I want to suggest five ways, super quick, don't worry, that, God, um, that the Bible helps us to know God better. Five things that happen when we study, read, engage, pray through the Bible. Number one, we get to know who God is and what he's like. Over and over again, as you uh, read your way through this uh, beautiful book of books, you will hear all sorts of descriptions and explanations of who God is and what he's like. And as you do that, you read on them, you think, oh, that's what you're like. And remember, Jesus says, if you see me, you've seen the Father. They're all embodied in the person of Jesus. And so we can know him. Here's just one example, Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord, we're told, is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Isn't that wonderful? That's what God's like. That's good news for us because if you're like me, you have moments where you need to come before God and say, I'm so sorry. But here we have this promise, this description. This is what he's like. He's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. If you know how that psalm goes on, it talks about how as far as the east is from the west, that's how far this loving God removes our sin from us. Of course he is, because that's what he wants. He wants us to be free. So read the Bible and get to know who God is and what he's like. The second thing that happens is that we discover God's plan and will for us, for us individually and for us collectively as the people of God. Over and over again, there are these explanations, these stories, which you have to get your head around, and sometimes you need help doing that, but actually paint this picture of what God is doing. That from the very minute that Adam and Eve had to leave the garden, he's been seeking to redeem and restore and reconcile all creation to himself. And that through Jesus Christ, he's put you and me back into the mix. That through us, he wants to extend his kingdom into the world. That's God's intention. Your calling, your vocation, your life, your person matters, we're told. 
And over and over again, you'll see verses in this. Here's Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, just one example to illustrate the point. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this we're told is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Over and over again, there are these beautiful descriptions of what God is doing and why. That makes sense of what it is to be human. It makes sense of why we do church. All those sorts of things. Number three, we will find as we read the Bible that God speaks to us. God speaks to us. He speaks to us collectively. He speaks to us individually. Sometimes that happens when we're reading it on our own. Like I've already said, you're reading a passage of Scripture and and it leaps out or something happens in your heart or it kind of makes sense for the first time. There's like a a light bulb of revelation goes on and and suddenly it's like, oh, that makes sense to you. And sometimes uh, it's through other people, isn't it? Someone's been praying for you and they remind you of a particular bit of Scripture and they share it with you in faith. Sometimes it's a prophetic word. Sometimes it's offered as pastoral encouragement. But as you read it, It's like, oh, either it just brings clarity or it brings peace or sometimes it brings that little challenge in love for our sake. I remember once, many, many years ago, uh, I was in a very difficult situation, not of my own making. I ended up being caught up in someone else's stuff effectively and five people on the same day uh, texted us um, this verse, Exodus 14, verse 14. Some of you will know it. Be still. And I will fight for you. Be still and I will fight for you. God speaks through the written word because he's the author of it. And he's the author and perfecter of your faith. And he wants you to hear his voice. John 16 verse 13 says this, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all the truth. Notice this. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Just as Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Here we're told the Spirit only speaks what he hears the Father speaking. When God speaks to you through his Spirit, it's God, the Father, Son, and Spirit together speaking that you would be known. And you'd know him and that you'd have guidance and clarity and wisdom and insight and courage. That's how good the scriptures are. Number four. We learn what God does and how he does it. We get to get our heads around how God is acting, how God does what he does, not just why. So, for example, uh, how and why does God heal? Well, it's in the scriptures. God does heal by his spirit sometimes, not always. God does sometimes uh, act, he intervenes at times. He answers prayers, not always, but often he does. Here's a God who will send people. Here's a God who will raise people up. Here's a God who will redeem unredeemable, in our minds, situations. Here's a God who pours out anointing on someone. Here's a God that takes the outcast, brings them in, and places them center stage in a moment and uses them to bring clarity. Here's someone who will use the wildest, craziest people to do extraordinary things. Here's a God who pours out gifts by his spirit on people. Here's a God that responds when we seek him. Here's a God who's patient and gracious even when we're rebellious. It's, uh, rebellious. it's all the way through the scriptures. God responding, God acting. Why? It's all an expression of his love for us. And so when you read the Bible, you get to know what, what God does, how he operates, what he's like when he's doing his thing. So you can recognize it 
when it's happening in your midst. And it gives us faith and courage. I'm so looking forward to gathering in here on Wednesday night for Hungary. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. But part of what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for things in faith because we know, because we've seen God do it in our midst. But we've also read about it in here. And if it's in here, it means it can still happen today. So it gives us insight. It gives us perspective. Romans 8, verse 28, Paul says this, We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So even when we're not entirely sure what God's doing, here's this promise from the scriptures. We can trust him. He works for the good of those who love him. His ways are not our ways. Sometimes it's really confusing. Sometimes it only makes sense in retrospect, right? You're like, oh, Paul, who's one of the greatest New Testament writers, gives us these beautiful descriptions of Jesus. And then he says, but I only see in part. I see just vaguely, hazily. Imagine what it's going to be like when we have a full revelation of him. Number five, we see how we can have a relationship with God. The scriptures give us real practical clarity on how we can go about seeking after God through the scriptures, how we can know him. So here's a good example. Proverbs 3, some of you will know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Instruction and promise right there in those two verses. You want to know God? Trust him with all your heart. Trust in his wisdom, not yours. In all your ways, do, do what he tells you to do. You do those things, you'll get to know God. Super simple. Having said that, I know, as I said earlier, it's actually quite hard for a lot of us to engage with this book. You're not the only one if you're thinking, that all sounds great, Rich, but if I'm honest, I don't read it very much. I find it really hard to read it. I'm not very disciplined. I don't even understand it. I often forget to do it. And I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to encourage you to have another crack at it. I want to encourage you, if you're in midweek groups, to champion one another, to get the Bible out more. Maybe think about how you're going to do that individually and corporately, using some of the suggestions we'll come to in a moment. And I say that partly, I I am biased. I love reading the Bible. It's my favorite thing to do when it comes to spirituality. It's my default setting. I like books. I like thinking. I like reading. I like ideas. But even I find it hard. I'm not, you know, don't put me on a pedestal. But I'm convinced of its power in us, uh, in our formation, the importance of it. So please, 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 wherever you're at with this, let's commit to encouraging each other to become people of the book more than ever. Here are five suggestions, again, super quick, and then we're going to pray for how we might engage with the scriptures a little more than we do already. Uh, And we're going to send out an email, we'll put it on social media, on our website, some resources that I'm going to reference, summarizing all of this, so don't worry about remembering it. But here are five suggestions. Number one is old school scripture memorization. Old school. Some of you will remember going to Sunday school and you got given verses to remember. And I guarantee you, if I was to ask you, you'd be able to recite some of them. Now, we know from neurolinguistics, and I'm not, you know, I don't really understand it, but I know enough of that to understand that we, uh, when we repeat things, our brain remembers things. 
so that we learn through repetition. Without repet- no formation without repetition, basically. Uh, which is why in the olden days you used to write out your spellings over and over again. And we also know from neurolinguistics, side note, that when we engage with paper, not a screen, we remember four times the amount. So if you want to learn the Bible, read the Bible, get it into you, read a paper version. It's far better than a screen version. If you want to uh, learn things, write them down on proper paper rather than type them up. Something happens in the neurolinguistic kind of bit of us that uh, makes it easier to remember things. So write them out. Write some verses out. Find some verses that are an encouragement to you. Ask people, what are some verses that you think I should remember and learn if, it's this new, it's this, if this is quite new to you? And put them in places that are going to be helpful for you. The fridge, the sink, the car, your desk at home, wherever it is. And my top tip is just try and remember them. Read them, read them, read them. Pray them, pray them, pray them. And over time, I guarantee you, it will go in. It does go in over time. And then over time, what happens is you become like my friend. That when someone says to you, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it comes out of you. Because it's in you. I love what Jeremiah says in chapter 16 of verse, of cha- sorry, chapter 15, verse 16. He says, when your words came, I ate them. When your words came, I ate them. I literally eat them. They go inside me. They were my joy and my delight. The book that we're going to recommend you read around all of this is in this series is a book called Eat This Book by Eugene Peterson. And it's all about spiritual reading of the scriptures. Eat the words. This is easier than we think. If I say to you, two plus two is four, you know that. Because it's just in you. If I was to start singing, Mamma Mia... Chris Giles, uh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> just, to, just to prove the point. I could tell, even from behind the pillar, Chris. Distinctive voice. So the first thing is memorization of Scripture. Number two, follow a Bible reading devotional. You know, the reality is sometimes we do get this open, don't we? And we read it. And we think, I have no idea what is going on in that passage. I'm sure God wants to make sense of this for me. I'm sure God wants to speak to me, but I don't understand. Well, that's why these devotionals are really helpful. Someone else giving some insights, some reflections, some commentary, applying it to our context can be really, really helpful. There are all sorts of different ones, but if you pick one, it's about 10 minutes Read a bit of scripture, read a reflection, pray at the end. Do that over time and you will start to get to know the book and make sense of it. The top one I would recommend is the Lectio 365 uh, from 24-7 Prayer. There's an app for that so you can uh, have it on your phone wherever you are take a paper Bible with you and read it in there, but it can help guide you. And actually, they will pray it through for you and give you some ways of praying as well. The other great option would be the Bible in One Year from Nikki Gumbel. Again, there's an app for that. You can buy a book version. Um, it all helps us. It keeps us on track. It, it gives us some sort of curriculum, if you like. It takes us through on a journey. And I still do that as part of my daily practice, trying to make sure that I'm just not only reading it sort of on myself, but I'm inviting someone else's input as well. The third option, if you want to push yourself a bit harder, is to develop a reading ritual. 
Find a ritual that works for you where you can have a disciplined approach to reading the scriptures. If you speak to any spiritual giant, any giant of the faith, known or not, and ask them, how is it that you've become so close to God? How is it that you have such spiritual wisdom and authority? They will tell you, guarantee it, that they read the Bible every single day. Guarantee it. So a ritual is simply three things. Thinking about when you're going to do it, where you're going to do it, and what you're actually going to do. For me, because I get up earlier, I'm better in the morning than at night, I sneak down, usually before anyone else is awake, I make myself a cup of really good coffee in my AeroPress. I spend good money on my coffee because I only have two cups a day and it's like, it's a gift from God. Uh, And then I I go and sit in my armchair in my study and I read through the Bible. I have a plan that I'm working through and I read it through and I pray it through and it takes me about 25 minutes. It's the highlight of my day. I'm using the Read Scripture app to guide my uh, my, uh, reading in my Bible. It takes you through the Scriptures in one year in a narrative, the chronology of the Bible, so you read it as a narrative. I find that really helpful. Number four, real quick, you can deepen your knowledge. How do you go about deepening your knowledge? Maybe think about going and looking at some of the Bible project resources that we'll send a link to. Rediscover Yobble. Maybe buy some commentaries, not necessarily the hardcore theology ones, but for example, Tom Wright's New Testament for Everyone, a small book on each section of the New Testament can be really, really helpful just to take you that next layer of insight and understanding. Listen to podcasts, read some books. We'll put some out on the recommendations. Feed yourself. You know, when you're driving home from somewhere, you can either put Radio 2 on, Uh, Or you can put the podcast from a great Bible teacher on. And I guarantee that probably over time, the podcast will bear more fruit in your life. Sometimes you just need Radio 2. I do get that. Uh, And some of you are thinking, Radio 2, I'm still Radio 1. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm actually Classic FM. Anyway, there we go. Move on. Finally, I would suggest to you uh, that there's a real value in integrating your Bible reading with your prayer life. When you can bring the two together... Not always. That can really help. Always pray through the scriptures. But one of the things I've been trying to do more recently is something called Lectio Divina, a very ancient way of reading the scriptures, where essentially you read the same passage several times, once through, then a bit slower. That's my timer. And, uh, and allow God to speak to you. Allow God to highlight verses and then read that one again and pray through it. And then just let it sort of saturate you and soak you and ask God to speak to you. You can do that with others as well. It's a great exercise to do as a life group. In fact, that will be heads up your homework if you're in a life group this week. So five suggestions. I hope they're helpful. They're just ideas to encourage you to have another crack at it. Can we do that? Okay, let's stand if we're able. We're going to sing a song.